Blog Talk Radio. In a country barreling towards a crucial election while facing a pandemic, a liar in chief, fake news, and murder hornets, this is the last 100 days. Alrighty, guys, welcome to the last 100 days. It is Tuesday, September 8th, 2020. We are 56 days out to election 2020 here. We've been on a small hiatus since the Republican election or national convention because I had a side project to work on. And honestly, I had to get the taste out of my mouth for those four days. But we are back tonight. I am your host, Scott Fullerton. I'll be joined in just a minute by my Tuesday and Thursday co-host, Mr. Brandon Carmody, out of beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. We hope you guys had a good Labor Day weekend, that your uh, boat did not go down in the great Travis Lake mishap of 2020. But we'll talk about all that and more in just a couple of minutes. Brandon, how the heck are you? Good afternoon, Scott, and good afternoon, listeners. Uh, I'm coming at you from sunny Portland, Oregon, which is in crisis today. We have uh, had a huge wind event, more than 100,000 without power yesterday, and multiple fires burning across our state today. So thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. There you go. They're not good at all. It's all over the West Coast. I was talking to all my California friends the other day, and they have – a jillion fires going on down there. So, yeah, it's kind of a crazy time. This is before fire season. California fire season doesn't usually start till the Santa Ana's kick in around uh, late um, September, early November. So it's going to be a weird one this year. What else is new, right? Welcome to 2020. Well, it's also knocked out my Internet, so I apologize. I'm not as prepared as I'd like to be, but uh, if we can – throw topics and stories i've got some things pulled up but uh i just don't have my usual three screens full of things in front of me because i've got no internet well there's so much happening these days now that the campaign is in full swing i don't think we will ever run out of topics that's for damn sure as i said we've been off the air since the republican convention pretty much finished with trump's big um super spreader event on the South Lawn of the White House there. So I honestly had to get the taste out of my mouth there. It was uh, an ugly four days, and now we're in full swing. So what do you think about campaign 2020? Uh, So the negativity of the two sides is increasing. Obviously, the president, the incumbent, is the one being negative and and making the entire environment toxic. Um, I just want to say that from my observations on the news reports that I'm seeing, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, the Biden-Harris ticket as a whole, seems to be holding a steady, solid line. Um, There are some states that are in play, which we're going to talk about today, but I think that their overall presentation and messaging has been pretty solid, aside from the uh, constant messaging that I'm getting from my GOP operatives, which are trying to say that Kamala Harris wants war, wants conflict in the streets, but we can talk about that. She said something on Stephen Colbert is what prompted their ire. Uh, I did not hear that. What did she say? 
Uh, so Colbert was asking her about the protest and whether the Black Lives Matter you know, movement and the protest that's happening in the streets in different cities is having any effect as far as policing policies and whether getting the messaging across. And she said it's having a tremendous effect and that people need to keep it up and keep up that pressure. And next thing you know, the the heads exploded on Fox News and the far right is basically saying that she wants war oh. in the streets. She's with the rioters. It's like that's not what the no no one on any side has really approved of the violence. However, you do have right. an incumbent president who refuses to uh, who refuses to talk it down. Even the Kyle Rittenhouse no, exactly. situation, he has not spoke he's not spoken out about Kyle Rittenhouse even on trial for double murder. No, I mean he all he's doing is planning the flames or fanning the flames. That's what he's been doing all along. And as we've talked about on here before, it's like he keeps pre- pre- preaching this is going to be. Joe Biden's America when we're living in Donald Trump's America right now. And uh, he tries to spin his way out of it, but it's just uh, for the thinking person out there, you have to realize, hey, this is happening now. This is not happening after Joe Biden is elected. So uh, he has done more. In fact, I think I read today from, of all places, his Homeland Security Department, that premise are going to remain the most persistent and lethal threat in the United States through 2021. So as much as he's saying that it's the Black Lives Matter Antifa put in your left-wing terrorist group here, his own government at Homeland Security put out a report today that says that white supremacist is the most persistent and lethal threat, and it's going to last through 2021. So I think that's very interesting. It's consistent, Scott. I'm just giving you a quick headline from the Oregonian here in Oregon yesterday. There were multiple arrests after Trump supporters and Proud Boys gathered for a Labor Day caravan in in a rally in Salem. There were some violent actions from the Proud Boys against protesters, which is on camera, and it's very disturbing. And please note that many of the Proud Boy members that are pictured in the news footage and photographs are heavily armed with AR-15s. So the potential for someone to either intentionally or accidentally fire off a few rounds, is it, the, the tension is right there. When you come with that kind of armament, yes, it's saber rattling, but the potential for lethal force is right there. We've already seen it. We've All had right. two, two killings in Portland. Yeah, let's get into that a bit. I mean, Portland was in the news again last week for the killing. Um, It was a week ago Saturday that the Trump supporters were having their own rally of support for him. And it's it's just ironic to me, after accusing Antifa and everything and all their their tactics, that they came armed with paint guns, and um, fray or some kind of a, a biological something or other uh, to these quote-unquote peaceful protests for Trump, I guess. And one of their own, I guess, one someone that was uh, one of the Proud Boys or part of, uh, I forget what the organization was called, was killed by a guy that has now been killed by police. What do you know about that? 
So the, uh, th these are very disturbing events, just to give the folks a uh, play-by-play. So I saw the caravan of the Trump trucks, as I call them. They were, they were a bunch of large trucks with the Trump 2020 banners, 600 deep in this caravan. They started at Clackamas Town Center, and they rolled through my town. I did not know it was coming. I was actually out on a walk, and all of a sudden I had helicopters following me, and I thought, what the hell? Is this good fellas? Like, what's going on, right? Then I realized <laughs> that it was, it was for the Trump caravan, so I saw them at the start. They were not even supposed to go through downtown Portland, but there were several that broke away from that planned route that was escorted by police and made it through downtown. And there is clear video of people from those trucks shooting paintballs and minis and things at the crowd. But later that night, there was a brief altercation, which was captured by uh, the New York Times. Uh, a reporter from the New York Times is the one that actually got the video, and it's crazy. It literally shows in a split second um, a member of the Proud Boys and a member of an un, he, he's unconfirmed, the organization he was with, one, the Proud Boy pulled some type of bear mace, and then within seconds of macing the attacker, the attacker shot him twice in the chest. And then the days following that shooting, the shooter became known on social media. He actually gave an interview to Vice News and said, I am the shooter acted in self-defense, and then later that night, I believe this was last Thursday, law enforcement, while making an attempted arrest of that suspect, shot and killed the suspect, which just ups the ante of the strangeness, the urgency of the whole matter. Also, we won't get to see him face justice or hear his side of the argument because he is dead. So there's a lot of controversy surrounding how, how it went down with the police killing the shooter, but... That's where we are. Trump supporters came back to Oregon again yesterday, and uh, they're they're all emboldened by these recent events, Scott. Well, yeah, the whole thing was very interesting. I mean, I understand how it got out of control there, but I and and I saw that I saw that he did that interview on Vice. Well, things that brings to mind. It's like, well, one, how did that, if this guy is admitting to being the shooter? Um, you would think he would turn himself in afterwards. He wouldn't be trying to do an altercation with police. Um, and you'd think he would he would surrender quietly to the police. Or I don't understand where it got to the point where he was shot. Do we know that he was um, – I mean, where did they find him at? And do we know how he was shot? Did he have any um, – a rifle on him or anything or any kind of – uh, firearms on him, or how did how did the shooting take place? Do we know any of that part so far? We do not, and it was not any of the Portland agencies. It was local police in Lacey, Washington, not even in Oregon, that went in to make the arrest and uh, the circumstances of that. But one thing I do want to say about conspiracy theories, and again, I've told you guys before that I have GOP operatives that are blowing up my phone practically screaming at me saying, you know, their point of view of what we need to be saying on air. And the messaging that they're hitting me with is that it was an Antifa-linked Portland shooter that appeared to target the victim. And by the way, I'm not just making that up. I'm reading from the New York Post. The article is literally came out on my birthday on September the 5th 
Um, Antifa-linked Portland shooter appeared to target the victim. So in the photo that the New York Post is running with, it has Jay Danielson on the left, who was the victim who was killed in that first Portland shooting. And then it has a photo on the far right of Michael Roanhall, who um, – and they even accuse that there might have even been a spotter pointing out the victim to the shooter. So it's still all under investigation, but even the impression right there – for those watching the media, if you're a member of the Proud Boys, if you're part of that far right and you believe that ideology, just a few images out there implying that this was a uh, an assassination, basically uh, a pointed killing, that's just going to increase the possibility for retaliation. You know, if you ever saw that movie um, with Robert De Niro, they put one of ours in the hospital, you would put one of theirs in the morgue. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm afraid, Scott, this could literally go so many directions, man. Right, and I think uh, he either did say in that Vice interview or his sister or something said something about him being at least sympathetic to Antifa, if not an outright member of Antifa, so I'm not sure exactly where that came down in the end, but uh thought it was very, very interesting, though, if the guy is doing a, basically a admission on camera and does not turn himself in right away, and is suddenly killed by police. So something went wrong there somewhere. Either he was uh, regretting admitting to it or didn't think he should get charged for it, or the police just came in and did something they really shouldn't have done. I don't know. It's very, very strange to me. I don't understand how it all came down. If a guy admits to it, how he is all of a sudden killed by police if he's saying, I did it. Um, Very unusual. Very, very unusual. And as you said, um, it's going to bring up. Do we know what the protesters are officially protesting anymore after 100 days? Do they have a um, manifesto so or something? Or what up. are they? Huh? I'm so glad you brought that up because there are. So for the folks that are not in Oregon, just to let you know, this is no longer a nightly protest down at the Justice Center. Uh, we almost wish that it was, because if it was a nightly protest down at the Justice Center, then you would have very limited impacts to residential areas. Because for those of you that know the layout of downtown Portland, there's not much for residences around the Justice Center. But in the weeks since this has gone off the rails, they have expanded their reach to target police stations on like Alberta Street and in parts of northeast Portland. And this is literally meaning that there's conflict in the streets in residential areas. Residents are going on the news and saying that they can smell tear gas in their living rooms. I mean, that's how much off the rails this whole situation is becoming. So to answer your question, no. No, I don't think that the messaging is being heard or received when you have a community just languishing like that, saying, please stop the violence, please stop the nightly attempts to burn down these police stations. Someone has hijacked the movement, Scott, some anarchistic movement, maybe Antifa, maybe others that have in the past and current tense used legitimate movements of protest in Portland as a chance to spread chaos they're in full spread and it's going past a hundred days and there's no sign that it's ending. And now neighborhoods are caught in the wake. Parents, kids, yeah, I mean, you name there's it. There's a difference between marching, marching and peaceful protests and, and the anarchy that's happening there. I, I think people that are really committed to the cause would not be purposely doing things of, of injury to property or people. 
So I don't think it's part of Black Lives Matter anymore. I think we've lost the narrative, unfortunately. Um, and I don't know how to get that back. Uh, it's kind of the genie's out of the bottle. How do you pull back on that now? Is there a <clears throat> march against the march? Um, I don't understand where to go from here because, like I said, 100 days, I can understand if it was marching 100 days. That's a beautiful thing. <clears throat> but for violence now, for however long it's been, it, it's not doing anyone any good on any side. I don't know what they're getting out of it um, by doing the, these acts of violence. And they don't seem to have a demand, right? They're just doing it to do it. They're not saying anything. They're not talking to police or, or news or any outlets with a list of demands. They're just basically going on a rampage every night, right? That's a great question. I'm not in a qualified position to answer that because I've, I'm not covering it boots on the ground. But one thing that I can tell you is that both sides appear to share a disdain for Portland Mayor, uh, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler and our Governor Kate Brown. And uh, there is some real controversy there over how both of those public figures have handled it. Um, I might possibly have Internet being restored right now, so I, I'm starting to pull out some news articles. But rest assured that their, their initial messaging was heard by City Hall, and there were some changes made within the Portland police budget. So this could have been a wrapping point weeks ago if that was their goal. I don't think, I don't right. think it – who knows? Who knows? It's such an ongoing saga, and at this point, if the violence continues, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if the president doesn't invoke some type of executive action, possibly martial law, and that Chad mm -hmm. Wolf that has been such a controversial figure of what's happening in Portland feels that we're out of control, and he's not exactly wrong, Scott. Things are pretty off the rails here. This is frightening. Community is here. Yeah, I mean, and it, it seems like it's now become an ego thing with the mayor because the mayor said he would welcome help, but on the other hand, he doesn't really want to welcome help. I mean, I, I tried to watch his news conference a little bit last week, and he was doing a lot of Trump blaming, which was fine, but I didn't see him saying what he was going to do to actually fix the problem. It was just kind of a blame game thing, and I didn't hear any plan to quell it. And I think they need to have a plan to quell it. And I'm not seeing that. And he insulted uh, the president, called the president a racist. I mean, there's some great, great moments from the speech of rhetoric against the president, which was met with equal force. And, of course, the president always has to have the last word. So there was a tweet storm. I unfortunately had Trump's tweets turned on with push notifications on Twitter. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, our time, I started getting like 10 tweets a minute, and it was all fierce, inappropriate things the President of the United States should have never been tweeting about the mayor of Portland. There were violent imagery that I was frankly stunned, Scott, that the President of the United States was tweeting. And all of the Sunday shows made note of the fact that he was on full meltdown. Press the red button, man. Get someone on the red phone. The President was on full <laughs> Twitter meltdown as of last Sunday morning. <laughs> well, uh, you mean this past Sunday or a week ago Sunday? Oh, a, a week ago, a week ago. And yeah. so I took a little right. vacation. I did have a birthday over the weekend, so I took a few days away from politics. That's why I'm playing catch-up. Wouldn't you know that there's just been a constant 24-7 stream of Trump stories in the news? A lot of them. 
Exactly. Well, I mean, let's talk about his meltdown this weekend. Uh, last day, this article in the Atlantic came out from the publisher. Um, the editor, actually in chief, is the one that wrote the story about Trump um, disparaging our military and not wanting to go to that cemetery when he was in Paris. And it's become a real situation. He is freaking out over it. Same thing as he did last Sunday. He is going on tweet storms like crazy, pushing back really hard, but doing it in some really bizarre ways because this is so in his voice. I mean, the accusation that he would call military people losers and things like that, he's done it publicly on Twitter and on television. I don't see how he can push us back. Do you? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be gleeful. I was just uh, so happy to have internet back. <laughs> and the first two headlines that came up are this: CNN Trump visibly distressed over Atlantic story fallout from claims he disparaged the military, and then a new piece from the Atlantic with the byline: How Trump masses incoherence. Many of the pre- president's statements are difficult to decode. So why doesn't that concern his supporters? Well, we know why because they're completely faithful and they drink the Kool-Aid, right? Right, exactly. Well, I mean, and it's very interesting. The only people that have, he's not really disputing what's being said as much. I mean, he is, but he's, it's the people that are disputing it are White House press people disputing it. There's no generals. There's no anyone else disputing it, which is very interesting. He said something really funny um, when he was going to, uh, he was going to or from one of his campaign events, and he's saying, I was so upset, I called Melania and said, I came here planning to go to the cemetery, and they're not letting me go because of weather, and I'm really upset about it. Well, he's saying the story, but he forgets that Melania was there with him. They show pictures of Melania there with him on the trip. She would know what was going on. He has no need to call Melania. So obviously that was baloney. Um, it's just he he digs himself into these holes that is just so hilarious that people keep his supporters believe every word of it, but he's obviously lying through his teeth. Uh, more than twenty three thousand, I believe, is where we're sit with the current counting from the Washington Post. We have some breaking Trump news, by the way, Scott. What is that? Um, I'm getting multiple push alerts. The first one that popped up here is CNN. It says that the Justice Department wants to defend Trump in the E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit. Oh, boy. So that's that, that just reeks of uh, William Barr right there, doesn't it? I mean, that should not be the Justice Department matter. That's that's really a civil matter of her allegations of sexual impropriety on the part of the president. That's really a civil matter. So the Justice Department wants to take the lead on that. I don't I don't think that smells right. No, I mean the Justice Department is not the president's lawyer. It's the people's lawyer. So what what case is this? I'm not familiar with the case. It's one of the girls oh, that um, accused so, him so, of so, uh, rape so, or who is this? Yeah. Yeah, so we'd have to we'd have to dig into the weeds here. Let me just see. But she is um I believe she's the one that accused him of making a bad move against her in a Bergdorf's dressing room back in the nineteen nineties. 
and it's just something that hasn't quite been a page one story for a while, even though her suit against him has been ongoing. Um, let's see. Four weeks ago, judge says Trump must face rape accusers' defamation lawsuit. So she is accusing rape, just to be clear. All right. Yeah, sexual assault. Okay. Yes. And uh, it's been a legal battle to keep her case from going forward, and so she just cleared a final hurdle, and you know, with the case, and then finally the Justice Department says that they want to be involved. So she's getting closer to getting some traction and legitimacy in her case against the president, and now the justice is involved. I mean, this should just speak to the sheer corruption of how Trump has gutted and corrupted the Justice Department, you guys. Everyone who's listening who has a law enforcement background and believes that that should be a separate and independent branch, it should be sending shudders down your spine right now, shivers. Well, it's a couple of things, too. I mean, I just looked at it real quick when you said something about that, that um, A – the suit is against defamation of what she said to him, supposedly, from an assault he did while he was out of office. This was before he was president. But the Justice Department is saying since she is accusing him of this defamation while he is in president, the Justice Department wants to take it over. But lawyers are saying it could ruin the suit entirely because uh, if they take it for that, uh, the federal government cannot be sued for defamation. So it would stop the entire suit if the Justice Department took it on. Um, so use, using their logic, they're trying to get it thrown out, basically, for him, which is not anything that should be able to be happening. You're right. This is absolutely kangaroo court time. I can't believe this is happening. Very it's crazy. The same- it's the same kangaroo administration that we saw through the four days of the Republican National Convention. The reason that we all needed to use whiteout and Lysol and wash our mouths out with spray was that that event was just so repulsive and so gargle-worthy. They, they are on message with their own message, man, except for the fact that when this news cycle gets away from the president – and the polls start showing Biden pulling ahead in key swing states, they're in free-fall panic because they know they're close to losing power. We haven't forgot right. about the U.S. postal, the postal scandal and how DeJoy. Now, now Trump came out and said that he welcomes an investigation against DeJoy, even though he's one arm away from the president, right? I, I, what if he were to flip on the president? Have you thought about what if that man were to flip and say what he knows? Like Cohen and the others. Well, this is a whole separate thing, too, that makes it kind of interesting that Trump, I mean, and Trump is known for turning his back on people once they get in trouble, right? He is like not loyal. He demands loyalty pledges from everybody, but he is the most disloyal people to work for him that I've ever seen. But the interesting thing with the DeJoy thing is it's turned into something entirely different outside of the Postal Service now. This latest controversy is him having his employees at his old employee, uh, his old company um, do campaign contributions, paying contributions, and then him giving, paying them back via bonuses through the company, which is illegal as hell. So that's what he's being called to task for now. And that is what Trump said, if it's true, he should be investigated on. So it really has nothing to do with the whole mail stuff, which, which is what started all this with DeJoy was his handling of the post office. This has now turned to him personally and politically 
from his time as the CEO of his company when he supposedly now uh, is alleged to have paid staffers and employees to do campaign contributions that he would then reimburse. And this is by told by employees of Master General. So that's what this whole, it's a whole different twist to it now. So it's very interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if we're any closer to resolving the deficiencies within the post office to handle the mail-in ballots. I mean, there is <laughs> – don't forget that you got the disinformation campaigns coming from the three foreign actors. you got Russia, Iran, and China all inserting themselves in. And because there's a lid on it, there is an actual lid on it. The three senators that hinted to the media a few weeks ago that there was something major going on that they really wish they could tell the public. Does anyone else remember that? Well, that landed on my radar, Scott. That means that they know exactly what Russia is doing. They know exactly what China is doing, and they know exactly what Iran is doing in this election. And we're 50 what, – what are we at, 56 days? What was it? Correct. Mm-hmm. 56 days. And, and they can't tell us. It's like, could you go back and replay 2016 in your mind? What if we knew about the Russian interference before the 2016 election? What if James Comey hadn't gone out and talked about Hillary Clinton's emails? I think that they really need to to declassify this spit and get it out there so the public can make a fair and informed decision. But if you want my frank opinion, and then I'll shut up, the Trump supporters are – it's baked in. No matter what this criminal president has done, they're going to vote for him, and you're not going to sway that 42 to 43 percent. They're locked in, even if he did shoot someone, frankly. Right. Well, the most disappointing poll I saw today was that um, people are more people are more inclined to vote for Joe Biden, but they believe Donald Trump is going to win. And it's some very weird poll numbers. If you look at the poll numbers, it's showing that Democrats um, say that uh, like high, low 90s percent that they would favor Joe Biden over Donald Trump. But when it comes to who will win, it goes down to 76 percent. We'll get more. We'll probably win. So there's a real weird disconnect between who they're voting for and for independents it actually flips. Independents say they are more they are they are more excited about voting for Biden, but more of them think that Trump will win the presidency. So he's doing so much of this disinformation and so much stuff is going on that even though they're planning on voting for Biden supposedly, they think Trump's gonna win. Which tells me that it's very dis disconcerting and very concerning to me and I'm wondering if that's going to result in some voter suppression oh my god well let's throw a couple polls out there from different sources in the hill stagnant polls hidden voters and Trump's past a re-election uh, here I'll just give you a quick quote out of this um, as of Labor Day, the Real Clear Politics ballot test averages 49.9% to 42.8% for Biden, and an average of 7.1% down modestly from 9.5% on Labor Day 2019. So, according to this Real Clear Politics ballot test, it's going 49.9 in favor of Trump. 
Um, however, there is a Fox News piece titled Biden and Trump deadlocked in battleground Florida. Oh, ho. 29 electoral votes, Scott. How much have we had Florida upturn our lives in the past, right? Right. Well, Florida, I mean, if you look at Florida's past since I think it was 96 or 2000, I think since 96, the difference has always been within one and a half percentage of the winning person in Florida. Florida has always been razor thin for a long, long time. And I did see the polls today had them in a virtual dead heat. So and it's tightening everywhere. I mean, he's only ahead. I think he's ahead two points. He's, I think he has the most solid lead in Arizona maybe right now. Wisconsin's pretty comfortable. North Carolina, he's only up by two, which is the margin of error. Um, Michigan, he's out. I mean, it's, it's tightening. It's still tightening. There's no, this is no lock by any stretch of the imagination right now. And it's going to keep tightening. And uh, it's going to be down to the wire. And they're talking about now the um, having to pay attention to when the polls close, it may show Donald Trump winning the night of the election but losing after all the mail-in votes are counted. So they said it could be a very heartburning type night, election night. I'm going to have my antacid on standby. Yeah, I've got a number right here. The Rasmussen report shows current polling as of yesterday, Wisconsin, Biden, 51% to Trump, 43. Some of the headlines splashing across the screen, the CBS, uh, Wisconsin contest, Steady amid protests, more think Biden. I can't read the rest of that headline. Okay, Fox News, Biden t- tops Trump among likely voters in key states. So several. I, so this has got to be something that just burns his heart, by the way. You were talking about heartburn. We know what a rabid consumer of cable news this president is. All of his aides, everyone that leaks, leaks, leaks to the media has confirmed that. So when Fox right. News is showing negative polls and negative numbers, he has got to be just going into a rage. And that's when some of the tweet storms occur. Well, these are real polls. These are real numbers, even from Fox News. It's got to be sending right. him over the edge, Scott, showing Biden in the lead and, and that if at this point, it would just narrowly squeak to victory. It would be like 2016. There would be no massive win. He's not going to get the three million in popular votes. If if anything, if he gets an electoral victory, it's not going to be a commanding, smashing win. Not if it was taken today, buddy. Not today. Right. Yeah, national polls are really not going to do us any good. The only time I'm going to be concerned about national polls, if Biden dips below 5%, if he can sit stays consistent at around 7%, like he's been doing, 9% to 7%. He can stay consistent there, then it's really going to come to the state polls no matter what. I mean, I think um, the states where we should be focusing no matter what anyway. And it's, I mean, we talked the other day that he can, the three states that he won, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, he only has to win one of the three of those if he keeps Arizona and Florida. Arizona and Florida are the key to making the math a little more interesting. Because if he keeps Arizona and Florida, he only needs to keep one of of Michigan, Wisconsin, or Pennsylvania to keep the presidency. So it's going to be really tight margins a little bit of everywhere. 
I feel like I lost you. Oh, wait, how about there? Can you hear me there? There you go. Yep. You hit your mute. One thing I want to one thing I want to note about Kenosha, a lot of the pundits pointed this out that are on the ground in Kenosha that are taking the pulse of voters after both candidates visited Kenosha last week. They said it couldn't have been a starker contrast if you tried. The president refused to meet with the family of Jacob Blake. Um, the president, you know, was pretty much guarded and took a very fiery tone, whereas Biden did basically a town hall, met with community members, met with the family of Jacob Blake. And so the people that are reporting back to the pundits said they got a much more favorable view of Biden, who is not even the current sitting president, for meeting with the family of the victim and for right. taking the community's pulse and doing a town hall, whereas the president basically came through like it was another campaign event. And his his article in the Atlantic that you were referencing did not go over well in the community of Kenosha, Wisconsin, from what I'm told. That that anti-veteran rhetoric, anything about disparaging those that are the fallen are weak or losers, no, they're they're heroes, and we acknowledge that. Those of us that are on the right side of history, anyway. So uh, the president was not well received in Kenosha, even though he went against their own will. He showed up. <laughs> Right. But luckily, like I said, Biden did show up and Kamala Harris was there yesterday. So um, they they're seem to be paying attention. I mean, I was very worried for a bit. Originally, Biden was not going to go out and travel until after Labor Day, starting today. Thank God he changed his mind last Wednesday and got out on the trail, uh, made it out here to Pittsburgh and a couple other places. So he um, I think he's he's got it where he's got to be out there every day. So we'll see what happens. I hope um, he uses Kamala to kind of crisscross the country. Uh, There was an interesting thing, talking about the election some more um, and talking about the mail-in voting, get it back to where we're talking about the post office a bit. There's an interesting article out. Supposedly, Georgia's top election officials said today that the state has identified as many as 1,000 instances of double voting in this summer's primary and runoff elections, which saw an influx of votes cast by mail and were also marred by some equipment failures and other breakdowns of the voting machinery. So he did a press conference today. The Secretary of State is Brad, I think his name's Raffsenberger or something. He pledged to investigate each of the potential, it's potential cases of double voting. So it's not been proven yet, but he says there's up to a thousand cases of double voting, but he does say, though, that while it show up in some election results, none of the results were affected by the potential double vote. So it didn't change the outcome of anything, but I think that's going to feed some fuel to Trump's uh, double voting, which he tried to encourage people in North Carolina to do last week, which is illegal. So that put it added another wrinkle to it today, but I don't trust Georgia as far as I can throw them with that Governor Kemp and everything. But I thought that was an interesting twist today in voting. I think I've mentioned this before, but one of the things that I like about these mail-in ballots, paper ballots, and the, the record trail that's there, Scott, is that they can be audited, you know, and you can verify them. Um, when I cast my vote, for Barack Obama on election night, 2008, 
um, I got a letter later saying that my signature didn't match and there were problems with my ballot. That's because it was audited and they went through it. So him encouraging his people last week to vote, that landed on everyone's radar. So there is an electorate out there that is not stupid, you guys. Hopefully you're listening to me and Scott on the air right now. Hopefully the people that are not stupid are the ones listening to us because when the president goes out there and blatantly encourages that type of illegal voting activity, that should be landing on everyone's radar. I think every TV news station in the world should have chimed in you know, on that. I don't know. He shouldn't get a free yeah, pass, is my point. That that was so blatant, he, he should not be allowed to get a free pass on that one, buddy. No, I mean, and he tries to walk it back the next day, and it does, I mean, he, he his clarification is usually just as bad, if not worse, than his original statement. His original statement was to tell them to, I want you to go vote, and I want you to vote by mail, then I want you to go to the polling place, I want you to vote again. Okay, that's double voting. That's illegal. So he tries to clear it up the next day by saying, okay, I want you to vote by mail, but then I want you to go to the polling place and ask them if they can see that you voted, and if not, I want you to vote again. Well, no, they can't necessarily see that at the polling places, whether you voted or not. It doesn't show that there. So, I mean, he just goes from the bizarre to the silly, and it's just kind of crazy, crazy stuff. We have another we have another piece of breaking news. This one from uh, from Trump TV, from Fox News. You ready for this one? Go for it. The, folks, the headline from Fox News says, U.S. Army vet says he was used as a prop in anti-Trump propaganda. Um, basically, I'm just gleaning from this. Bobby Henline, a 4 Iraq war veteran, told Fox News, referring to comments allegedly made by the president regarding wounded veterans, are they using that to sell something that they believe in for their agenda? It's not fair to put us veteran props in the middle of all that. He's got a very good point. Um, there are legitimate service members, both living and deceased, and wounded warriors that have put themselves in harm's way to protect this country that the president is basically just treating like another Trump stake or another tie in the background. There's a, the, the military class is proper to call out the president and to say that they need to shift tone and get away from this. I don't think it de- I don't think it changes anything Donald Trump does personally. So he's slamming the Democrats though. For what are the Democrats saying? I don't understand. Well, I'm just trying to get a handle on this. Whenever they send out something as a push alert, uh, basically, they're referring to the Atlantic publishing the story in which the president's anonymous sources claimed that he'd made disparaging remarks about veterans. So some of the veterans that appeared in these different videos and campaign ads against their will, um, okay. let me just see here, they, they don't want to be the uh, a talking point you know, in all of this propaganda and all this rhetoric. There are real veterans gotcha. and real heroes involved. And, that, so and that's he's not fair saying that sides. it's not true. That's, he's that, saying that he just disagreed with the yeah. with the Democrats using him in their ad, which is true. You should not use someone if you don't get the permission. I agree. Hmm, I also want to point out that there were um, there were several people that were used um, in an RNC video uh, from a housing project, by the way, 
which was uh, they were not told they were going to be used in the RNC in any way, and they are not Trump supporters. So that has come out now. That has been confirmed by all news agencies that at least three of the people featured in that video for the housing project from the RNC were mortified to find out that that's what their interviews were being used for and spliced up and cut out. They gave like hour long interviews and like 30 seconds were used out of context. So what a mess, what a mess. People are being used as props when there's real life on the line here. No vaccine in sight. Do we have any word on that? Any COVID news? Well, the COVID news is the vaccine will be available. The, three days before the election. So it's going to be very interesting wait, to see wait, if wait, that wait, plays out what? or not. What did, when uh, did that well, happen? Okay, fill me in. So Trump did a press conference yesterday and says that, guess what, before election, we're going to have some very big news about a vaccine, um, basically saying that a vaccine was coming uh, by the end of October. So that kind of took everyone by surprise and was getting a little blowback. But then we had the head of all these groups that are doing all these farmer groups that are doing this um, put out a letter today saying that they would not do it before it was safe. Uh, But they, but one of the leaders today of these nine people that put out this thing that said it would not do it before it's safe said, yeah, we're expecting it could be as soon as the end of October for getting our first um, information. But then after that being said this morning, this afternoon, AstraZeneca, which is one of the nine vaccine makers that issued the statement this morning pledging not to seek FDA approval or emergency author until it was proved safe, had to halt their test this afternoon because someone is sick and they don't know their suspected serious adverse reaction. They're not saying what it is. So that's very interesting. So it's kind of ping-ponged. In two days, it's gone from Trump is saying that we're going to have a virus at the end of the year, to or the end of October, to all of these drug makers, to nine drug makers working on the vaccine, saying we will not ask for a fast track until we know it's safe. To to um, one of them saying, but we still think that's going to be by the end of October. To now AstraZeneca stopping their trials while they investigate this one person that's sick for an unknown reason that's in their trial. So it's really convoluted right now. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. But we could see a vaccine by the end of October. Oh, man, you were absolutely right. So I love searching for all I searched for was vaccine. And then I hit news on Google. Listen to this on favorable one. Chicago Tribune AstraZeneca puts COVID-19 vaccine trials on hold after recipients potentially unexplained illness. And then literally my favorite Newsweek is really just putting the body slam on Trump. Trump's warp speed COVID vaccine plan hits snag as AstraZeneca pauses the trial. And apparently they had recruited up to 30,000 back in August. So that's not a good news spin for the president. However, right. uh, we may get an, we may see another tweet storm and him try to deflect it or downplay it and then <laughs> I, to me, I don't know if you ever read Brave New World where everyone had to take these Soma pills and Soma drugs. To me, it's like if the Trump supporters started to – if the Soma started to wear off and they started to come to their senses a little bit and they were watching some of these headlines like, wait, 
What's that? I'm just picturing the nurses like, here is your dose. Take it quickly. Take it quickly. Like, don't look over there. Don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain. I'm just at the point where I'm having straight up fights, Scott, straight up fights with earnest defenders of the president that no matter what I say, they're like, but Obama. But it's like, oh, my God. We have a president who's been office for three and a half years that this is his watch. I can't, I can't win any discussion because they won't hear facts. It's a lost and cause. I've pretty man. much purged all of those people from my life. So I don't have those that much. Uh, every once in a while, I'll see something, a retweet from a friend, from someone that I know, and I'll go off on someone else. But I don't really have those fights on any of my feeds because I've kind of eliminated all those people. <laughs> so I don't have that problem anymore. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, but I, I hear you. I hear you. All right, well, we're starting well, to here's wrap it the, up uh, here. Go ahead. Well, I'll just give you the very last thing from – okay, well, well, this is just from my source. My source basically believes that – and this is not even a, a stab at Bernie Sanders. This is specifically like if we were to get the Biden-Harris presidency, the, the, uh, the spin and southern – I'm sorry um, – you know, the right-wing media, and basically what I'm getting hit with my sources, they believe that we want to make everything a socialist society and make it more like Lenin's Russia, that they uh, literally, the far right-wingers, the fringe, fringe, you know, beyond Alex Jones, even way more paranoid, literally believe that Biden-Harris are literally going to take off the Cobra Commander mask, and it's going to be like Vladimir Lenin, and we're going to be right back in that type of dark, dark, oppressive socialism. We're talking Orwellian stuff. It's just not true. They're smoking. They're straight up smoking, and I'm just so tired of it that they actually believe this BS. That's not what a Biden-Harris presidency is going to be at all, Scott. Not at all. No, and that's why the Florida is closed in so much, because that is the buzzword. Uh, Trump is actually ahead by 7 to 9% in Hispanics in Florida, which you think Hispanics are voting for Trump, but these are all Cubans that are resonating with the socialist message because they left socialist Cuba, right? So a lot of these Cubans and Hispanics in Florida are polling towards Trump because they're, they're doubling down on this socialist agenda. I mean, that's all, if you know, you listen to all the ads, you see every time he talks, he talks about, the socialist left and everything because it resonates with this group of voters. So they're going to keep pounding on that. And that's what's got them at 49% tied in Florida. And it's disinformation. I got, I mean, if if you go to listen to anything that Biden says, he says, no, 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 but they say it anyway, because they don't care. They know if they echo it long enough and enough time and say to the right audience that it's going to gain some traction for him, which it has now in Florida. So it's very sad, but true. The last, last thing that I have for this is that um, I, I have to give my GOP source one credit because he has a YouTube link. <clears throat> this is the co-founder. She's the number two gal at Black Lives Matter. And there is, in fact, a YouTube video clip of her saying that they are trained Marxists. Okay. All right. Take it for what it is, whatever you believe about Marxism. But there is confirmed video of the number two person at Black Lives Matter saying that they're all trained Marxists. That is causing right-wing heads to explode. So that's not how Right. 
I, exactly. And but trouble is, like I said, it's all about the messaging. Is Black Lives Matter every person that's out protesting? Or is Black Lives Matter the organization? What are we talking about? The organization has some troubling things on its website, and I think some of the leaders like this person saying things that I don't necessarily agree with. But do I agree in the movement in general that Black Lives Matter? 100%, right? So it's all in the messaging and how it's spun. And unfortunately, there are people that are going to take that because it's in writing on their website and it's on video like what this person says and they're going to paint the entire everybody that says black lives matter with the same brush but they are not a monolithic person right so it's it's messaging is a tough thing very very i also worry i also worry about where we're going to be when we do our wrap-up First of all, I know you said that if there's a contested election or if some bull crap happens that we're going to keep going, that's great because we may need to give more expert analysis if it doesn't end on election day or the next day. And frankly, with the uh, the postal issue and the mail-in ballots, I'm not sure that we're going to have a clear winner before the courts intervene. Both sides have lawyers armed up. But my broader point is this, where is our country going to be? Where is the division going to be? How many more people from both sides are going to be bringing AR-15s into the streets ready to fire a shot? How scary is it going to get? Right. I have the tentative end date for the last 100 days at November 13th, depending what happens, because I think it is going to be an election week, not an election day. I think there's at least three states that do not allow you to even start counting ballots until everyone has voted for live votes. And with all the extra things, I think it's going to take a while. Plus there's going to, we're going to have to see what the fallout is because it's going to be very interesting to see what lawsuits are filed. It's going to be interesting to see what he does immediately following, whether he wins or loses, what could happen. So we'll be on the air till at least November 13th and we'll see what happens from there. Okay. Uh, I'm on board. That sounds, that sounds good. It's going to be interesting. We'll go 10 days after the election and see what happens. It's going to be very, 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 very interesting. All right. Well, we only have about one minute, so I'm going to finish it up with a little, uh, a little allegory to, uh, did you hear about the Trump regatta going to the bottom of the lake? Oh, yes, that's, uh, that's been wall-to-wall in my headlines. I've saved several memes. Dumb Kirk. Dumb Kirk. There you go. Exactly, exactly. His video was hilarious, I have to say. But, no, it's been it's the great uh, allegory to the entire thing is the reason these – first, it was sad to look at the pictures and see how many boats there actually were out there. There was a hell of a lot of boats out there. Which, which is sad to begin with, but it's Texas, so I understand it a bit. But anyway, they have maybe 12 boats or so go down to the bottom of this Lake Travis. But isn't it an amazing allegory? The reason these guys were going down was because there were all these big ships not paying any attention to what the others were doing and creating all these huge wakes that started drowning all these littler ships and made the smaller boats sink. How much is that Donald Trump America, all the big wigs, all the money guys doing what they think they want to do and making everyone else go down with the ship, right? So I thought it was a pretty good allegory to Trump in general as we look at their flags uh, 
It reminds me of the old joke. How does an Italian admiral view his fleet? Through a glass-bottom boat. And there you go. That's it, my friend. Tell them where they can find you. Um, I have brandoncarmody.com, which has been newly renewed. And by the way, I'm doing a music show on YouTube called Brandon Carmody Music uh, every weekday, five days a week. There's new episodes out today. So either check out brandoncarmody.com or find me on YouTube, please. There you go. You can find me at Left of Straight on Twitter, Instagram, and Scott Fullerton on Facebook. We'll be back. The rest of the week, tomorrow we'll have Michael Vega back from his birthday. You and Michael are one day apart on your birthday. His birthday was last Friday, and yours was Saturday. So uh, we will have the returning birthday boy number two back tomorrow. We'll see you at 5 o'clock Pacific, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern time. We're going to play out with a little bit of uh, Keeps Me Awake, because this election is Keep Me Awake by Matt Stern out of Canada. Thanks for listening to the last 100 Days podcast, everyone. Bye-bye. Yeah.